What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check here with your WWE 2022 Extreme Rules preview. And yes, we are marking another milestone. It's another milestone in the Triple H era of WWE. We know SummerSlam was still sort of half Vince. Clash at the Castle kind of existed in a weird international stadium show atmosphere, which was awesome, let's be real. This is the first... I don't know whether you want to call it B-pay-per-view, I don't know whether you want to call it regular run-of-the-mill show in in the reign of of, uh, of Triple H. The next milestone, obviously, is going to be Survivor Series, the first big four produced solely by Triple H, but that's already got war games on it. Then we're going to have the first Saudi show produced by Triple H, which already has Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul on it. Then, starting next year, we're going to have the first WrestleMania season in the realm of Triple H, starting with the first Royal Rumble in the realm of Triple H. Then Elimination Chamber, which is apparently happening in Saudi Arabia. Again, rod, 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 we don't need to talk about it. And then the first WrestleMania in the Triple H regimen. I don't know how many other words I can come up with for it. But so far, so good. If you guys haven't noticed, the uh, Triple H era pod slowly became the WWE last week pod. I really do encourage you guys, if you guys are hearing my voice, by some stretch of the imagination for the first time, go back to pods. You can hear what I've been doing the past couple of weeks, which is the WWE last week. Your weekly look back at the week that was in professional wrestling on the WWE side of things, because I like to be a cliche, but I say you have to go back to pods, because the last pod that I did was the first NXT review I've done since the early days of 2.0, because, yes, what some people on Twitter are affectionately calling Spicy Hot Doritos NXT, gave me some things to uh, to look forward to, etc. But Extreme Rules is, for the first time in a long time, a whole pay-per-view that is full of Extreme Rules matches. You don't have one Extreme Rules, like, end result, end uh, main event, which which is which is good. It's not like Hell in the Cell, where you have a whole regular pay-per-view and then one cell match, where Sasha Banks ends up messing it up by existing. Um, I don't know what else you want to say. Honestly, um, really, really hyped, really, really positive. And I will say, in all fairness, um, the fact that AEW seems to be on a downward spiral at the moment is enhancing my enjoyment of WWE, not in the sense of, ha ha ha, they're falling down while we're rising up, but more in the sense of, like, they're really not inspiring me to watch. There was a lot of matches on this week's Dynamite that I would have been into, like, a month ago. Two months ago, I, I would have loved the Wheeler Yuta versus MJF uh, was a prime example. Uh, our good buddy Guapo ta uh, tossed me a message and said, isn't this a great match? I said, yeah, it'd be a great match if I could get into it, but uh, AEW doesn't seem to like treating the wrestlers that I like very well. And then you're Sammy Guevara, where everybody just uh, hates you because you're living your best life and you actually say what's on your mind, a la CM Punk even though we all loved it when he said what was on his mind when it was against WWE. But enough! Enough of that. Why are we beeping? Why is this a thing? I'm gonna go turn the phone off. You guys are gonna hear me wheel away for a second. This is amazing audio, I know. Always forget to do something. Turn down my TV, turn down my computer, turn down my phone. Amazing audio, I know. <laughs> but, um... Six matches, not an incredibly long card, not a whole lot of title matches, which 
normally would be strange, but it's not the titles that are taking front and center uh, on this Saturday show. Saturday show as well. Let me know down in the box below because I'm still I'm still fifty fifty on it. Are you guys liking the Saturday shows? Or are you guys liking the Sunday shows? Are you guys looking forward to Halloween Havoc that we're getting in a few weeks as well? Don't worry, I will be doing a preview for that as well. Um, but everything everything makes sense. Nothing was pulled out of the ass, um, and it's just. It's not going to blow the world up, match-wise. We're going to talk about the other thing. We're going to talk about the white rabbit in the room later on. But this is a card that's going to be solid. People are going to walk away from it thinking it was a lot of fun. It's not going to set the world on fire. I don't think it's designed to set the world on fire. But everything makes sense, starting with the first... Oh, before, before I get into the first match, I should say the little bits of news that have dropped over the past uh, 24 hours or so with the season premieres of uh, Raw and SmackDown coming... Well, today, you guys are listening to this on Friday, so the debut of SmackDown will be tonight, and the debut of Raw will be this coming Monday after Extreme Rules. We're getting new commentary teams. Apparently, it's Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves on Raw. It's going to be Michael Cole and Wade fucking Barrett get in on SmackDown, and it's going to be Vic Joseph and the returning Booker T on NXT. Oh, that's going to be a horrible pun that doesn't go anywhere anytime soon, is it not? So that's really cool. Uh, the additional rumor, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we talked about it. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, I think. But uh, apparently, Legado del Fantasma are finally getting their call up. Could be as early as tonight on SmackDown. Now, that sort of leads me into the first match that we're going to talk about because I have to sort of touch on the match that we're getting on the SmackDown premiere, which is the rematch between uh, Gunther and Sheamus. Gunther and Sheamus round two, I guess we could say. Uh, I do think Sheamus is going to lose. I do think Walter is going to, or sorry, Gunther is going to maintain the Intercontinental Championship. I do think they're slowly going to run into a problem with the Intercontinental Championship in that they are presenting Gunther as this unstoppable force, as they should, don't get me wrong, but what it's going to mean is that the Intercontinental Championship matches, while the title is being held in a very high spot, the matches are going to get harder and harder to get into because we're going to start seeing them as foregone conclusions. That's a balance that I think WWE are going to need to walk at some point. Triple H is going to have to find out where his chips lay on that. But very, very simply, like I said, Gunther's going to retain on SmackDown. That's my opinion. Uh, rumors are they're finally going to give Pete Dunne his name back on SmackDown as well. Totally separate from that, I think we're getting Solo Sokoa versus Ricochet, which is going to absolutely bang. Um, but I think it's going to be a case of Sheamus gets brutalized after he got brutalized last week on SmackDown, and then the Brutes in their full force are going to get their revenge on the pay-per-view, especially after what happened to them on NXT this week when they went for the NXT Tag Team titles and Imperium cost them those titles. Um, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I don't think there's going to be... I don't want to say this in a bad way. I don't think this match is going to be overthought in the sense that I think they're just going to have another fun brawl. They're going to keep it simple. Somebody's probably going to walk away with a fat lip or a bloody nose or something. Uh, Gunther's definitely going to hamburger uh, Sheamus's chest. That's going to be a thing that'll happen. Gunther hits hard, Sheamus marks easy. That's a very easy visual to do. Um, Brawling Brutes getting the win. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure Giovanni Vici is gonna eat the pin if that's the case because he's the most recent and therefore in their eyes the newest character on the roster and I do think they want to do something special with not only Sheamus but if this is where we sort of nudge Pete Dunne in a direction that's gonna be really really good for me because Pete Dunne former Destiny champion yes check it off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list it's absolutely fine I think this is gonna bang I also if I want to go out on a limb I think this is gonna open and it should. This is going to be in the Hardy Boys spot. You remember, before Hard the Hardys became main eventers, uh, Hardy Boys matches uh, were very much the get the crowd up out of their seats early matches. Them versus Edge and Christian was the standard for that for a little while. Much like, and I will give them some credit, even though they're weird, skeevy, power-tripping assholes, much like AEW do with the Bucks. If if there was no announcement whatsoever, there was no build whatsoever, you could put Bucks versus Lucha Brothers on the beginning of a show and it would hype up the, show, the uh, audience for the rest of the night. Same thing with the Hardys back in their pomp, and I think this will serve the same purpose for the type of show that this is. I think it's going to be good. I think it has the potential to be an unsung, unsung match of the night. And you'll have to excuse me because I have an indicator blinking at me right now. Well, let's fix that and uh, we'll get a jump cut and I'll be right back. If there's one thing you can bet on, it's that technical issues will always plague this podcast. That was just the first match. Let's talk about the second match. Uh, one that I think a lot of people are overlooking, quite honestly, is Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown Championship. Now, much like a lot of this card, every other match after the first one, the first one's going to be simple, fun, brawl, let's get it over with, right? Not over with, but... You get what I mean. Everything else going on has like one or two or three stories going into it. Now, I love the story of this because people are starting to sour on Liv Morgan, which I really don't understand because she's a great babyface. She's playing this champion that's already doubting herself, and she's thinking, well, if I'm here and Ronda Rousey's here, you can't see my hands. I don't know why I'm doing hands. But if I'm here and Ronda Rousey's here, if I get a weapon then I could equal out with Ronda Rousey. And it's a storytelling mechanism more than it is something that's a physical thing. But she's going to have that moment in the match where it goes from, oh, I've got a weapon, now we're even, to, oh, if I've got a weapon, she's also got a women, weapon, I'm back to being fucked. <laughs> um, but I think that'll work out well. I think we're going to see some stuff in the early going. I think the random match that she had with Lacey Evans, where she was doing the sentons and... Uh, and the weapons and all that kind of thing was a good start. They need to build on that in this match for sure. Um, but then it comes back down to uh, a little bit of a quandary on my part for who I want to win. I do think Ronda Rousey's going to win. Uh, you, you bring in real-life, legit UFC superstar Ronda Rousey, put her in a match with no rules, and have her lose... That, that beggar's belief, does it not? Uh, but as far as who I want to win, I'm torn because I do think Liv is an awesome fighting from the under from the underneath uh, babyface that does have a certain section of the fan base that is actually uh, quite loud and quite loyal. So would there be some satisfaction in me seeing her retain and do the unthinkable? Yes. But... On the other side of the coin, I really, really, really want to see Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler for that championship. Specifically the SmackDown. I don't know why I would say it specifically on SmackDown. SmackDown's the better show right now. I mean, both shows are getting better week by week by week as we go into this new era. I will say SmackDown... I said it on... Uh, 
I said it on my last WWE Last Week pod, it always feels to me, even though SmackDown is the shorter show, I feel like they do more in less time because they're forced to. And uh, because of that, the SmackDown title does feel important. The Raw title we're going to talk about later on, it feels a bit stale unless they do something. We're going to get to that. When we get to it, it's fine. Um, so I have this thing in my head right now as far as if you ask me who I want to win, uh, part of me wants Liv Morgan, the awesome babyface who's crawling from underneath, who absolutely has no right to win, so if she does, you'll be happy for her. And there's the long-term booking, okay, we've got a big four pay-per-view coming up in Survivor Series, and I don't think either one of them are going to be in war games, so Ronda versus Shayna Baszler is a really, really good match. I wouldn't say put it on the Royal Rumble, because the Royal Rumble is where you put on title matches that nobody has to care about, because the focus is the Rumble. So, it would almost be a backslide. And I don't think they would play it out all the way to WrestleMania. I think you'll get one or two more returns before WrestleMania. I know they want to do Ronda Becky with the roles reversed. I know Charlotte Flair is coming back. Eventually, we'll talk about that later as well. Uh, you also have to deal with the Ronda Rousey paradox, which WWE has dealt with in all her... I think she's had... I think technically you want to say she's had two runs, but... Uh, as far as, like, rounds of her being successful and coming and going in, in waves and all that. Um, and this is not specific to Ronda Rousey, but it's really exaggerated with Ronda Rousey. Every time they try to make her a babyface, it comes off lame as shit, and she gets booed out of the building. Every time they try to make her heel, the fans love her, and she gets cheered. So let her be what WWE thinks is a heel. Let her get the support anyway. Um... Let her be that badass who's, like, you know, pushing her old friend Shayna around and have Shayna come back and bitch slap her and be like, nah, bitch, and then we can have a good old fight. Um, we, have a match we have a match stipulation coming up later on in the night that I would love to see Ronda and Shayna in just because it would be really good. But, yes, as for who I want to win, I'm going to say it for the third time because I'm already feeling repetitive. I'm torn on who I want to win uh, if I'm... If I'm if you got a gun to my head, I'm, first of all, I'm going to say you don't need to put a gun to my head. I'm already talking about it. You don't need the gun. But second of all, if you put a gun to my head and said who do you think is going to win, I think it's going to be Ronda. And this is the sort of the proper uh, proper situation for her to do it. Now, Bailey versus Bianca Belair. Now, this is a lot more clear cut for me. Bailey needs to win. Bailey needs to win to do a couple of things. To make up for the time that she's lost being injured, not her fault. Uh, very, very strange that they had Bianca Belair cutting promos on her, mocking her being injured. I thought Bianca Belair was supposed to be the babyface, but it's fine. She also needs to win to solidify the damage control group. WWE has found in the past little while, I mean, it started in NXT, big surprise, Triple H, um, Undisputed Era, and the Undisputed, uh, what was it? The, the, uh, the Golden Prophecy of the Undisputed Era, when all of them held gold. Now, if Bailey comes back as the leader of this group and everybody grabs gold and she can't, that's... It's a tricky story to tell if you decide to go that way. Now, they've put this match in place so the Bel Air doesn't have to eat a pin because, God forbid. Also, Bailey deserves it. Bailey kept us going. Bailey was one of the most entertaining people, one of the most try-hard WWE superstars to keep us all going through the entire crowdless Thunderdome PC COVID era WWE. Her ri Bailey's rivalry 
with Michael Cole is better than most of the stuff from the COVID era. She deserves this, number one, for that. She deserves it, number two, because she's just fucking awesome. And since her first heel turn, um, you know, smiling Snow White babyface Bailey from the from the PC and from NXT becoming the super Karen that she is now is fucking awesome. So she deserves it for that. She deserves it for this cool new mentor character that she's playing. And I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. Bianca Belair constantly holding gold is getting stale as fuck. And it's not even... I mean, it still is. But initially I had problems with Bianca Belair and her character. I still do. But they're not as prominent. She can go in the ring. Don't get me wrong. I, I can't take anything away from her as an in-ring performer. Everything she does character-wise is cringeworthy. There is a little bit of identity politics with her being as prominent as she is all the time. But even if you take all that away... It's she's got a little bit of the John Cena effect where just her holding the belt is like, oh, okay, Bel Air wins, LOL. Um, so the belt needs, Bailey deserves and needs the belt. Her group needs her to win the belt. The belt needs her to win. Um, and I think Bel Air, uh, Bel Air needs to lose uh, so that she's not the Bel Air, Bel Air wins, LOL character. Now, even if you look at the match graphic, you see Damage Control in her corner. They don't have a tag team title match on this card, which is kind of a bummer, but also they're keeping it to a nice tight card, which I like, so I'll accept that. And then Bel Air and Friends on the other side of the coin. Now, this has to go forward, right? This is going to set up war games, and this is where, you know, WWE under Vince, you don't know what's happening next week. Uh, WWE under Triple H, we already know what's happening at Crown Jewel. Uh, there, Therein lies the difference. We can see the, the puzzle pieces being put together. I think the Raw... The Raw War Games match at Survivor Series is going to be a women's match, and the SmackDown one is obviously going to be the Bloodline versus whoever. Now, the problem is, the problem with that is, right now, with the re-debut, or... I don't know whether you want to call it a re-debut, because Candice LeRae was never on the main roster, but her return to WWE as a whole, and sort of immediately sliding in with Bel Air and her group by taking on Dakota Kai this past, was it this past week on Raw, sort of slides the dynamic in the favor of the babyfaces, which puts uh, the potential um, extra people around the ring, I guess you could say, the accessorial characters, uh, at a four-on-three advantage for the baby set, for the, for the baby faces, I can speak, I swear, uh, which is a really awkward dynamic to book when you have, first of all, you know they need a fourth because it's a four-on-four match in the war games. Also, it doesn't do us any good for the babyfaces to have a numbers advantage if you want them to be sympathetic against the heels. Now, now, what I've said for the longest time, I said, okay, cool, damage control is obviously one of the primary focuses on Raw. One of the other primary focuses is the Judgment Day, and Rhea Ripley hasn't had a match in a while now. Partially that was because of injury and recovery and whatever. I don't know what her status is right now. But I had always said, Damage Control plus Rhea Ripley versus a bunch of baby faces. I don't think you put Rhea Ripley in there anymore. I really don't. Um, and I'll tell you what I think Rhea Ripley's going to do later on. I think the one you put in there now is Nikki. And I don't mean Nikki A.S.H. I think you have a run-in at some point on this show from Nikki Cross. And I'll tell you for why, right? A, 
she's going through a bunch of confidence issues. She's just coming out of this Nikki A.S.H., the superhero character. She, she, you could believe that her character would be a little bit lost and could absolutely fall under the manipulation of a group like Bailey, Dakota Kai, Eos Kai, because they're the new cool kids in town, and they seem to be on a winning trajectory, and Nikki A.S.H. has definitely not been on a winning trajectory. But also, also two other stories you need to play up here is the surprise appearance of uh, Candice LeRae on Raw was at the expense of Nikki A.S.H. And what did we see after she lost? She saw her looking really, really sad in the ring, taking off the mask, the first steps towards being her old self. And also, you've got the former friendship, the former tag team championship partnership with Alexa Bliss. Now, if you play up a story between Bailey and Alexa Bliss, oh, oh, uh, Nikki's old friend and Nikki's new friend, um, you know, Bailey told me all the secret things you were saying behind my back, you were never my friend, rah, 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 whatever the case, whatever the case may be. Nikki Cross could be the Sami Zayn of damage control, <laughs> and why is that even a comparison that I can make? But I think, right now, first of all, Bailey wins the title, um, damage control gets to be the group that walks around with all the belts, because WWE likes that. Look at the, uh, Look at the uh, press conference for Crown Jewel. They even had Solo Sokoa bring an NXT belt with them so that all of them could have belts. But that's cool. That's a very alluring um, That's a very alluring tackle for them to be recruiting a new person. We're telling a lot of stories in WWE right now where the factions are on a recruitment mission. Uh, most recently, the Bloodline acquired Solo Sokoa and officially Sami Zayn. Uh, I've said it before, but uh, Judgment Day trying to recruit Riddle, trying to recruit AJ Styles. They've already recruited Dominic Mysterio. Um, but the idea of recruitment is very much a thing in WWE. And Nikki Cross seeing all these girls with all this gold try wanting to make her part of the group could definitely be a thing. And I think it's so cool that we have something coming up like War Games, which you kind of have to make up a reason for it to happen. We know that it's happening because Triple H has told the news outlets that it's happening. But in story, you have to f come up with a reason for it to happen. With the Bloodline, it's a lot easier, because you've got a group of four there. I mean, I don't think Roman Reigns is going to be in the match. I think it's going to be the Usos, Solo, and Sammy. But you've got the Bloodline who rule absolutely everything. So grab any four random guys that are sick of the Bloodline and there's your match. With the women, it's a little bit different. And you, because it's a little bit different and because it's not quite so cut and dry, you can tell a lot of stories with that. But if we come to Survivor Series in November and it is Dakota Kai, Eosky, Bailey, and Nikki Cross, underline the word cross, taking on Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, and Candice LeRae, that's a fucking good war game. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it all has to start with the reemergence of Nikki Cross, the manipulation of Nikki Cross, whether they want to tell the stories between her and Candice LeRae, whether you want to tell the stories between her and Alexa Bliss, and most importantly, Bailey capping off her group with one more belt by defeating Bianca Belair in this ladder match, because that's what's going to happen, and that's what needs to happen. And don't worry, Bianca Belair doesn't even have to eat a pin. It's fine. Everything's fine. You'll be fine. Moving on. Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. Oh, part of me really wants to say there's a run in here too where uh, AJ Styles joins uh, joins the Judgment Day, but I don't think that's happening. I think that's a longer term story. I think that's another thing that they're saving for Survivor Series that's not a War Games match. Keep in mind, because it's War Games, all the matches are going to take place in a double ring. You're going to get Riddle doing the, we got one ring, we got 
two rings. Um, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do that callback, I'm gonna be really sad. We're gonna get to Riddle later. Um, goes without saying, Judgment Day needs Balor to win this. Uh, they've been sort of squashing people on Raw through like devious means and all that, and sort of toying with Rey Mysterio, but they need something big to happen. Now they said on Raw, uh, Edge said in his promo, like. Look at look at everything you guys have done. You guys have called out the Adam. I'm not Edge anymore. Right, right. I love when they do the real name thing because it's 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 a trope and it's cliche and it's overused. But I love it for exactly that reason. And it winds up all the right people. It's fine. Now I had an idea for this, and this this was part of the reason why I said uh, I don't want Rhea Ripley in that War Games match anymore because my idea was they were all going to beat the hell out of Edge. Beth Phoenix was going to come down with the chair again for the save. Rhea Ripley would somehow get the upper hand, put Beth Phoenix in a precarious position, force Edge to say I quit, and then you have Rhea Ripley getting the rub in a match later on down the line from a legend like Beth Phoenix, which I think would still be an awesome story to tell, but I think there's other stories to tell because I've heard better ideas than mine, and I'm willing to admit when there are better ideas than mine. Also... Uh, without involving Beth Phoenix, I do know that Charlotte Flair is coming back eventually, and if you want to have Rhea Ripley's first match in a long time, it should be against Charlotte on a big stage, because Charlotte's the one sort of Achilles heel that she's had, so we need to figure that out somewhere down the line as well. Push Rhea Ripley to the moon, but part of that push has to be her getting a significant win over Charlotte Flair before either one of them touches a belt. I don't think a belt needs to be involved. I think... Bailey should take the belt one way, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler and whoever should take the other belt the other way. Let Rhea Ripley destroy Charlotte for the storytelling sake of Rhea Ripley saying, I can beat Charlotte. And this is me, I'm a huge fan of Charlotte, but Rhea Ripley needs to beat Charlotte at some point. What I will say is I'm totally stealing an idea from what culture. I think it's from Adam Wilborn, if I'm not mistaken. Um... Somebody's going to correct me down in the box below if I am. But what they said was that somehow uh, they were going to get Rey Mysterio to the to ringside and Dominic Mysterio was going to threaten to unmask his dad if Edge didn't say I quit. So you got a, an emotional like tug-of-war type thing. Now, I think that's great, but I'm going to add to it slightly. Rhea Ripley and, and uh, Dominic Mysterio beat the hell out of Rey Mysterio on the rampway. They threaten to unmask him. Edge quits to save his friend the embarrassment because he knows how much the mask means to him because they've been friends for so long. They unmask him anyway <laughs> and beat the shit out of him. Um, they present Rey's mask to Dominic on the night. They go on to beat the hell out of Edge anyway because the match being over doesn't mean anything really. And... You just sort of leave him in a pile of his own blood, etc., etc., etc. Rey Mysterio obviously runs away because he's been unmasked and it's terrible and horrible. Wrap his head in a towel. Do whatever you have to do. But what you do is you come out the next night on Raw. It's the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. And that might not even mean anything. That's fine. But you want to do something cool, something big. You've got the son of Rey Mysterio who wrestles bareface, not with a mask, you know, son of probably undoubtedly the most famous luchador wrestler in modern universally accepted pro wrestling and he doesn't wrestle in a mask 
So I think you do two things at once on Raw. You keep the mask from the unmasking at the pay-per-view. You bring it out on Raw, you throw it in the bin, you set it on fire, you do whatever. And then Dominic Mysterio gets presented his own mask from his new family since his old family never gave him one. And he gets a... It's going to be purple and black and it's going to be all goffed out and it's going to look like a monster mask or some bullshit like that. But to have the Judgment Day be the one to present the Lucha mask to Dominic instead of Ray. If they don't do that now, I've booked myself, I've worked myself into a shoot here. If they don't do this in this order, if they don't have Edge throw away the match to keep Ray from being unmasked, to have him be unmasked anyway, to have the mask destroyed, to present a mask to Dominic in his most evil form with his new evil family on the season premiere of Monday Night Raw, I'm going to be incredibly pissed, which is entirely unfair because they've not promised any of that. I've come up with that mostly in my head. I've just taken somebody else's idea and made it better. Um, all that being said, coming back to the initial point, Balor wins. Balor wins and almost guarantee it's to save somebody from something. Uh, you always have to allow for the Beth Phoenix inclusion. Uh, after the match, if you want to have AJ Styles run down and try to make the save, that's fine. If you want to have AJ Styles come down acting like he's making the save, and then he joins in on the beatdown because he's now joined the Judgment Day as well, you can do cool things like that as well. Look at what this version of WWE has done. I'm talking about these matches, but how much of me talking about these matches is actually me talking about these matches, and how much of it is me talking about all the possibilities coming out of these matches? I, You can't overlook that. And, and people go, oh, you're kissing Triple H's ass. Well, yeah, uh, maybe, because he's made WWE good, while your favorite company, probably, is falling down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, I'll kiss Triple H's ass. No problem. No problem. Speaking of Triple H and Triple H creations within Triple H creations, well, Triple H created NXT, and NXT gave us the fight pit. I mean, DX, or sorry, uh, NXT also gave us Riddle and Rollins, let's be fair. But Riddle versus Rollins in the fight pit is going to be fucking great. Riddle needs to win, uh, because Rollins has handed him his ass, like, forever. But the fight pit coming to WWE is great. Riddle being the one to bring the fight pit to WWE is great. I mean... We, we, it's, it's the Triple H era of WWE that's giving us the fight pit, but you can't just have Triple H come and just, I'm, uh, I'm uh, giving you the fight pit, uh. I mean, he's already kind of done that with War Games, um, but uh, Riddle being the one to introduce it, and already having that built-in knowledge for the NXT fans that this is already kind of his match, is the perfect way to introduce it, and as far as something new, Rollins is the one to get in there and do something new with it. It's all good. It's it's setting the standard. The way the way that mainstream WWE introduces the fight pit to main roster WWE is gonna give us a huge indicator, I think, of how they're going to introduce war games to the main roster. So as much as I love all these things, as much as these I love these things from NXT I there's always that 0.1% of a chance that they just don't translate at all on the main roster, and that's going to be heartbreaking. Riddle needs the win, uh, because he cost himself the victory last time. Um, 
Also, again, like like I said to Bel Air, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Rollins. Rollins can do no wrong at this point, but I also think Rollins needs a reset. And I don't just mean come out on Monday all humbled and suddenly babyface. I mean he needs to go away for a bit so that he gets a pop when he comes back. I think if he loses in the fight pit, I think you keep him off TV until you think Cody Rhodes is coming back. Cody Rhodes makes his surprise entrance, or a surprise, I mean, I keep saying surprise entrance because I think he's going to come back in the Rumble, but if he just shows up on a random Raw before the Rumble to say he's in the Rumble because he's a babyface and that's what babyfaces do, then to have his return cut off by Rollins' return in an almost, hey, a couple of months ago we were on pause when you broke your tit, now we're off pause, where were we? And then to have them continue that potentially through the Rumble, cost each other the Rumble and go to Mania, could be a cool thing. But either way, even if he doesn't come back and fight Cody right away, I do think Rollins needs a reset, and he needs a reset that's going to include a break. Something like the fight pit, where you can act like he got absolutely fucking wrecked, is a perfect reason to write somebody off for a bit. And I'm sure, because I think Becky's still recovering, I'm sure he would love to be home with his wife and his daughter while his wife is on the tail end of her recovery. Now, I've said that, he'll go away and she'll come back and make me look like an idiot. But that's fine, I don't mind that whatsoever. Riddle's gonna win this. If you haven't seen the first two fight pit matches with Riddle and Ciampa and who's the, who's the other one that was in there? Thatcher. Genuinely, and this is not just me being an NXT mark, because, I mean... NXT doesn't do everything, right? I mean, they gave us 2.0 for a year. Um, go back and watch the Fight Pit matches, because they're fucking awesome. And if they do even a hair of what they did in uh, Rock and Roll, Black and Gold, Triple H, NXT, then uh, this could be the highlight of the night. And if it wasn't for what I think is going to happen in the next match, I think this should be the main event. Also, it's, it's very, very simple, but I'm going to go again to the War Games comparison as well. It gives us something different to look at. We have... We know at Survivor Series we're going to have two side-by-side -side rings because you have a double cage in the side-by-side -side rings for the War Games match. If they alter that, I'm going to be kind of pissed, not going to lie. But the Fight Pit isn't a wrestling ring by any stretch of the imagination. The first time we ever saw it, it was literally set up next to the ring, and it was this eyesore uh, next to the ring the whole time. How they incorporate the fight pit, how they stage the fight pit, where they stage the fight pit, whether they assemble it on the fly, whether they disassemble the ring in the middle of a pay-per-view is going to be, it, it's, it sounds like a small thing, but it's not. You, you guys that saw my, my NXT review saw I, I went on a little side tangent about turnbuckles. The little things matter. The little aesthetic things matter. And something as simple as where's the fight pit going to be? What's it going to look like? Is it going to change at all from NXT? Because we were doing that in the CWC, not in an arena. There's a lot of different angles uh, to be to be taken into account when you're including something like that. And also, uh, there's the little minor detail of Daniel Cormier being the referee. Now, I'm not going to come up here and pretend that I know anything about UFC, but I know enough that, to know that it's cool that this guy is coming in. I don't know anything about him specifically. Apparently, he's got a history with Riddle. Apparently, he's a big fan of Rollins, so they've, they've balanced that story, and if he's another person that's going to come over from the combat sports world, then awesome. If he's going to have a match, like a celebrity match at, at uh, the Rumble or at WrestleMania or whatever, then cool. Let him follow, you know, 
who Tyson Fury and uh, <laughs> Brock Lesnar and uh, you know uh, Mayweather and all these other guys like it's not that far apart. So get him in there. He's gonna get physical with somebody. The whole um, again, if you watch the fight pits from NXT, it's the idea that the referee isn't down there with them. He's up on the stageway watching them, like li literally looking down into the pit. So it could be something. It could be nothing. It could be something cool for the night. I really don't know. Um, but I do think it's a little extra thing. It adds to. You need. How can I say this? I'm going to trip over my words trying to say this. You need a dangerous referee to make the situation to make the stipulation seem dangerous because you need the, the stipulation to seem dangerous to amplify how much these guys must hate each other if they're in it. It's the effect that Hell in the Cell used to have and doesn't have anymore. It's the effect that back in the day the old school blue bar cage used to have. It doesn't have that effect anymore. The fight pit is still new. I hate you so much that I want to be locked in a pit with no doors and no pins and, uh, you know, tap out or pass out and uh, only one of us is walking out. Um, if the hate has to be there for the stipulation to be as dangerous as it is, then the referee should reflect that. The first fight pit was refereed by Kurt Angle. I, it, it is what it is. And I think it's an interesting, even to somebody like me who has no like or interest in mixed martial arts or UFC or whatever else you want to say, the addition makes sense. The It is, people are going to hate this comparison, but it is this generation's version of putting Mike Tyson between Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's not the same, but it's today's version of that. Um, I think, was it Kurt, uh, not Kurt Angle, Ken Shamrock was introduced to the WWE initially as a special guest referee when he was a UFC guy as well, so there's that. There Maybe DC's leaving UFC forever and he's going to be fighting Brock Lesnar for the Unified Universal Galaxy Championship at WrestleMania 65, who knows. Um, I'm, I've gone off on a tangent there. Fight Pit's going to be awesome. Fight Pit could be main event of the night worthy. Now... What I don't think, even though I love it, even though it's one of the things I'm looking most forward to, what I don't think is quite main event, but I think will be because of the connotations involved, is Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a strap match. Now, I think the unsaid thing is they're trying to make this feel like a number one contenders match even though it's never been called a number one contenders match, because you know, the big the big capital M momentum is coming off of this match, right? Um, let's say a couple of things. Karrion Cross is, for all intents and purposes, brand new. We're not going to talk about Karrion Cross that got called up in the gimp mask and lost to Jeff Hardy in less than a minute. We're not going to talk about that. He's basically new. He needs something big. Drew McIntyre is much in the same category as Seth Rollins, as... He needs a bit of a reboot. He needs to kind of go away and sort of come back with some new bluster because he deserves to have a big moment as well. All the things that I said about Bailey taking us through the COVID era and sort of waving the big flag, people, people in AEW are going to say mocks, and I don't exactly disagree with that. Um, in a very different way, in a very more, much more entertaining way, Drew McIntyre carried a lot of the uh, of the story load for WWE in the COVID times. Roman obviously had to go home and take care of himself. Brock Lesnar said, fuck performing in front of nobody. Um, so Drew had it for a while, like Bailey had it for a while. 
He deserves to have something big. I don't think with the lack of momentum that he's got right now, he's going to get something big. Let him go away. Let him come back to a big pop and let him find himself in uh, some kind of contention. Now, if you want to talk about uh, what I said uh, in the first match, Gunther being like an absolutely insurmountable uh, champion at the moment, if you want to keep him strong for long enough, I think you could make the Intercontinental Championship and Gunther feel bigger by the time Drew McIntyre comes back that he's a big enough mountain to knock over that that could be Drew McIntyre's moment. Uh, I'd like to see it. They had a really, really unfortunate run-in with each other at the Survivor Series a couple years ago, the one year that uh, NXT was actually included in the uh, brand warfare stuff. People don't like that he was... Uh, that that uh, Walter, as he was at the time, was eliminated so early. We could revisit that, and Triple H is not exactly shy about revisiting like past things so that could definitely be a thing but let's talk about the white rabbit in the room this is the match where me and most people think that we're going to get the reveal of the white rabbit and the white rabbit is let's just say it one time say it loud say it proud it's going to be the fiend or it's going to be bray wyatt it's going to be Wyndham rotunda in whatever his new current incarnation is but the bigger story is is it going to be him by himself i don't think it is and I think you could go as far and as wide with this as you like. People who don't like the spooky shit, people who don't like the uh, supernatural gimmicks in wrestling, are really gonna have to fuck off if they're watching this show. Because you got Balor, who... Never forget, like, Edge has tried to be, like, still himself, but a little bit scary coming out of the fire and whatever, and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Judgment Day are already the goth kids from South Park. So you could get Demon Balor on this on this show. You could get some sort of brood-ish version of Edge on this show. Karrion Cross isn't necessarily a spooky character, but he's like spooky, goth, hard rock adjacent character, I suppose. Uh, people say he's trying to be supernatural because he throws a fireball, but he's an actual person throwing an actual fireball, which proves that an actual person can throw an actual fireball. We don't need to revisit that. But if Bray Wyatt comes back, or if Wyndham Rotunda in whatever incarnation he's going to be in comes back, I do think him coming back with a mob, and I mean a huge mob, would be fucking great. Bring in everybody that even makes a little bit of sense. Anybody that even makes a little bit of sense. Throw in Karrion Cross. Throw in Scarlet. Throw in the... I know people say this is a long shot, but I would love to see it. The Lone Wolf version of Baron Corbin. Throw in Dexter Loomis. Throw in... Uh, people disagree with me on this one. Throw in the Judgment Day. Uh, they've mentioned Joe Gacy. Throw in this schism. If you're going to have Nikki A.S.H. going back to being Nikki Cross, then throw crazy ballistic Nikki Cross in there. You can't bring Bray Wyatt back without addressing the relationship between him and Alexa Bliss. Bring back spooky Alexa Bliss. Piss off all the right people. Because here's the thing. You want to have groups within groups. You remember when you had the brood within the ministry? which was kind of cool. Within uh, within Death Triangle, you have the Lucha Brothers. Within uh, within the Elite, you have the Bucks. You want to have teams within teams? Have the Schism within Bray Wyatt's faction. Have the Judgment Day within Bray Wyatt's faction. Have this faction be so big, there are factions in it. And also, 
Speaking of factions, if you bring in everybody that I have just said into this one group, you have a trio that can take on damage control. Imagine Nikki Cross, Twisted Bliss, and Scarlet Bordeaux versus damage control. Do it. It'll be fucking good. Imagine the schism taking on the New Day. Imagine the Judgment Day taking on the Bloodline. And all of this is all happening. Like, they're all separate groups having separate wars, but they're all under the guidance and the supervision and the puppetry of this new Bray Wyatt, Husky Harris, The Fiend, uh, Playhouse Bray, Wyndham Rotunda, new incarnation. I think... I think you could have, and people will hate this, all the right people will hate this, you could have the spooky versus version of the NWO. The Bray World Order. Or something, make it something, oh, throw in uh, Braun Strowman as well, I forgot about Braun Strowman. Make it make sense. Make it so that all the callbacks that Triple H has made so far, Dexter Loomis, Cross and Scarlet. Um, I can't think of anybody else now. But, um, you know, making the Judgment Day better. Not necessarily disassembling the schism, even though he's already fixed NXT. Like, all these things feel like they're happening separately. All the things that have happened, like Braun Strowman coming back, uh, all these things that feel like they're happening separately. If you can pull one string that pulls all of them together and say, no, every single one of these things happen for a reason. Bring in, like, Red Hoodie Guy that we don't even know who he is yet from the schism. I'm going to stop doing that soon, I promise. This has unlimited potential, and I'm sorry, not only do I love this shit, but it's almost Halloween. <laughs> and if the schism is part of it, and if Braun Strowman is part of it, and Karrion Cross is part of it, and The Judgment Day are part of it, and Nikki A.S.H. is part of it, and Alexa Bliss is part of it, there's not a single part of WWE, there's not a single show, there's not a single production, there's not a single pay-per-view that will not be touched by Bray Wyatt, if what I'm saying is true. 99% sure none of what I just said is going to happen. 99% sure, but the, the threads are there. The threads are there to be pulled, and I will say it before. I've said it a couple times in this pod already. We have a WWE now that is allowing you to think this might happen, and this might happen, and this might happen, without immediately feeling dumb for saying this might happen, and that... You know, people, uh, I did the Triple H era pod, and then I do WWE last week, and it's broadly positive and all that sort of thing. Why is it positive? Because I can have a conversation like this. I actually have notes for my preview. I'll tell you something for free. Um, even when I was doing Impact for a little bit there, when I do a sit-down with Guapo, if we're going to preview ROH or AEW, I don't take notes. I don't sit there with my clipboard and think, okay, where's this going, where's this going, where's this going? I pull up the... I pull up the, uh, what do you call it, the Wikipedia, and I talk about whatever comes out of my head when I see a match listed on the screen in front of me. I spent about two hours thinking about different possibilities and, and stuff, writing up stuff for this, because the WWE that allows me to think like I did for this podcast, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it, yes, I've rambled on for quite a long time, the WWE that allows me to go off in this many directions off of a pay-per-view card that only has six matches on it, 
is the WWE that's going to get a lot of praise and a lot of leeway and a lot of benefit of the doubt. It's just a fact. And I do think, low-key, yes, there's not a lot of title matches on this card because there's only one world champion right now. There's only one set of tag titles right now. And none of them are being defended on tonight's show. And I think that's brilliant. This is the last thing I'm going to leave you guys with before I go because I'm losing my voice and I'm running out of steam and it's fine and I booked a day off work tomorrow. So this is technically my Friday, which is awesome. Uh, when saw the movie Smile? Go see the movie Smile. It's fucked up. You'll like it. Um, we're, there's no world title. There's no tag titles, which I think is absolutely brilliant. You're introducing something on this card that could be the next big thing in WWE. So you keep what's currently the biggest thing in WWE, which is the bloodline, let's be real, off the card so that all the focus is where it should be. And... I mean, that that part aside, you're giving a whole lot of exposure to a, pe a, lot, a couple of people here that absolutely may have fallen under the shadow of the bloodline recently. So it serves, it serves that purpose as well, but primarily, we've taken the bloodline out so there, there's no distraction, there's no side draw to whatever the fuck this is on Saturday. But yeah, I'm going to run down the card once again because as excited as I am, I am running out of steam as well. So... Brawling Brutes are going to win the Donnybrook. Ronda's going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey's going to win the Raw Championship. Balor is going to win the I Quit match. Riddle's going to win the Fight Pit. Cross is going to, well, Cross is going to win the Strap match or it's going to be a no contest because whatever Bray does is more important than the result of that match. Um, really hope you guys have enjoyed this. I really, really do. Uh, as I said, as a, as a little side note, two recommendations for you guys that aren't wrestling related whatsoever. If you're not watching House of the Dragon, watch House of the Dragon. If you haven't gone to see the movie Smile, go see the movie Smile. It's really, really fucked up. My, uh, suggestion of the week. That's not a thing. Anyways, it's tired in here. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk to you on there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, enjoy Extreme Rules. I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.